sometimes we think that we need to transcend our experience or we would even like to transcend our experience and be something else or be somewhere else or not be at all. It's really sad when we consider that Jesus came in the flesh, that the incarnation was about God being with us and, um, and part of that divine plan is that we're actually frail and that we feel and sometimes we hurt and that all of those things are okay and they are um, something that defines our humanity that will connect us with with God because it's God who made us and breathed life into us and made us human and said it was good Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Whoo, everyone's alive. Pretty sure that uh, I think the 8 a.m. service was dead. There might have been dead people. I was rattled. They were very attentive, I'm sure, in their hearts. I just couldn't see it on their faces or in their body language. Whew, so we're going to do better, aren't we? Yes, thank you. It's a privilege to be back up here talking to you again this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Corinne. I'm our lead pastor, Mike Manis's wife, and uh, he's usually the one up here speaking, but uh, we like to give him a break once in a while, so I'm going to speak to you this morning. And these last few weeks, we've been in this series, as you know, called Becoming Human, and we've heard from some amazing people with their stories of God's faithfulness in the midst of uncertainty, sorrow, pain, and sickness. So if you missed any one of those weeks, go to southsidelife.com and catch up. You'll be encouraged and strengthened by watching their stories for whatever you're facing in your story right now. So the last time that I was up here, it was back in March during to our Today I Will series, and I took us all back to the very last Sunday of 2009 when I stood up in front of the church and I recapped the previous year with the words, and I quote, people suck and you can't kill them. I unpacked that year publicly for the first time back in March. You can see that on uh, southsidelife.com too, if you want to. But I took all of you into what 2009 was like for our family and how it impacted and shaped me for the next decade and how the struggles that my family faced at that time caused me to withdraw and hide myself away from the world. Sharing that part of my life with all of you was the beginning of something that God wanted to do in my life and in my heart. When I was up here speaking that day, I felt such a deep connection with all of you because even though we are living our separate lives, there's something that unites us. Even though they are not exactly the same, we all face hardships, betrayals, and struggles, and these experiences unite us as human beings. Pain is common to the human experience, and it brings us together onto common ground where we're all the same. Rich, poor, middle class, people of every race, religion, culture, in every corner of the earth, we're all united by our humanity. We all experience pain and loss and sorrow as we live together on this broken world. This unity felt stronger after my talk when we got messages from people who shared their stories of how life had knocked them down and they were having trouble getting back up again. And I feel like we are at a place as a church in the last few months 
where we have kind of taken a deep breath and given each other permission to not be okay. After the Today I Will series, we went into the Unraveling series where Pastor Mike said that in order to really live and to really experience everything that God has for us, we have to unravel and take off our grave clothes. We have to let go of all of the things that weigh us down and keep us tied up in knots inside. I don't want us to miss what God is doing in this church at this time. You and me, we need to hear him. We need to let him into our inner lives and start dealing with some of the pain that's inside us because I believe that he has a new freedom and a new peace for us to step into individually and as a church family. And just think what the world will say when they look at us. When they see a place where people can come without masks on, where we are all helping each other along as we do some hard work on our inner lives, I think Jesus will be made famous in a place like that. John 13:35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is God's plan for Southside Church, not that we would be a club with a list of entrance requirements, but that we would be a safe place where people can find a family and encounter the transformative love of Jesus Christ. A place where we can be human together, where we can be patient with each other, where we can invite God into our inner lives so that we can all get better. I love this place. I love this church. I love this family. Today, in a way, I'm going to pick up where I left off back in March because I want to invite you all along with me as I continue to try, as that song that Leah sang says, to wake up, roll up my sleeves, and remember who I am. I want to talk about what I am learning as I try to do this. My hope and my prayer is that you will see your story in my story, and that if life has knocked you down, that you would find the courage to get up, brush, your, brush yourself off, and get back into the fight. My prayer for us today is that every one of us would say, and now with God's help, I shall become myself. So who are you? I think a lot of us falter at that question. I know I do. How do we sort out what part of me is the me God made, and what are the parts of me that have become a shadow self, a me that I have put on to protect myself from the wounds and scars and traumas that I've experienced in my life? Who am I really? It's a question that I'm grappling with and that we all need to grapple with because in the process of living in this difficult world, we've all lost who we were created to be. We've all encountered pain in our early lives that taught us that the safest way to live in this world is behind a mask. We learn as children who we need to be in order to stay safe, to survive, to have our needs met, and we unknowingly construct masks that we show to the world. The real me stays behind the mask, and at some point, we forget that the real me even exists. We have all lost ourselves. This is a tragedy, perhaps the greatest tragedy the world has ever known, that we, human beings, the crown of God's creation, the creatures that he poured every ounce of his creative, genius into, and even stamped with his very own image, 
are completely out of touch with who we each uniquely were created to be. The most spiritual, God-honoring thing you will ever do is to become exactly who God created you to be. Winston Churchill says we are all worms, but I do believe that I am a glowworm. I believe that we have a whole gym full of glowworms. And we all glow differently, created to light up a different part of this dark world. God looked at the world and he saw a certain dark place. And then he created me uniquely to light up that specific darkness. It's like there was a Corinne-shaped hole in the world and God poured his infinite creativity into molding me exactly and uniquely to fill it. And the same goes for every single one of you. There was a hole in the world in the shape of you. There was a certain darkness that needed your special glow. God saw this hole and he saw this darkness and he created you uniquely, fearfully, and wonderfully to fill it. What a tragedy that most of us spend most of our lives in hiding, ashamed of who we are. Ever since sin entered the world, we have lived in shame, out of touch with who we were meant to be. The first thing Adam and Eve did after they chose to go their own way instead of God's way was to hide. That very day, God came looking for them in the garden. When he couldn't find them, he called out, why are you hiding? Adam replied, because I am naked. And God, knowing that they had sinned, asked one of the saddest questions ever asked in the history of the world. Who told you you were naked? Who told you that being human, that being you, was something to be ashamed of? Who told you that your true self is fundamentally flawed? He is asking us the same question today. Who told you to be ashamed of who you are? Who told you to abandon your true self for a shadow self? I talked a little bit in March about how I grew up. In my family of origin, we battled mental illness, addiction, and anger. There was so much anger. Most of the memories of my childhood are of fighting between my parents, between a parent and a child, one sibling against another. I remember once getting in the middle of a fight between my two sisters when we were teenagers. They had pulled knives out of the kitchen drawer and were waving them at each other, and I was standing between them, trying to stop them. But by far, the weapons used most often in my home were words. Hateful, terrible, ugly words that we flung at each other. Parent to parent, parent to child, child to parent, sibling to sibling. We didn't use words to build each other up. We used them to destroy, and they were more effective than any knife. I have always thought of myself as a survivor, you know, sort of, look at me now. Look at how I stayed sane in a place that was insane. If I'm really honest, I've always had this sense of pride in myself that I turned out okay, despite the odds being stacked against me. But lately, as God has been urging me to discover the me he made me to be, I have realized that the chaos and anger of my childhood affected me in ways I never knew. I didn't escape unscathed. It's not possible to spend your childhood in dysfunction and not be affected by it. Every single one of us has been shaped by the pain and the trauma of our early lives. 
For some of you, you're struggling with addiction. But addiction isn't your problem. Something or maybe a lot of somethings happened in your life that led you to try to numb the pain. Becoming human for you starts with inviting God in and doing some work on yourself to find out where that pain started and begin to heal it. It means seeking help. For others of you, it's anger. You are so angry. You've been angry for so long you can't remember being anything else. But anger isn't your problem. Your problem is that you're ignoring the reasons you got angry in the first place. Maybe it's time to invite God into your inner life and start doing the hard work of figuring out where this anger all started. For some of you, it's that you really don't like yourself. You try positive self-talk, you listen to podcasts about healthy body image and loving yourself, but your problem isn't that you don't like yourself. Your problem is that something happened in your life that caused you to feel ashamed. Something you did or something that was done to you or said to you, and that shame has eaten at you until you just can't stand yourself anymore. It's time to start dealing with the root, to invite God in, to start doing the hard work of going back and discovering where that shame started so you can start to heal. An admirer once asked Michelangelo how he sculpted the famous statue of David. How did he craft this masterpiece of form and beauty? Michelangelo offered this strikingly simple description. He said, I first fixed my attention on the slab of raw marble. I studied it and then chipped away all that wasn't David. Maybe it's time for you, with God's help, to start chipping away at all the parts of you that aren't the real you. God is the artist, and you are his. He wants you to be you, the real you, naked and unashamed, fully, completely yourself. So how do we start to become the me we were created to be? Inviting God into this process of chipping away at all the bits of you that isn't the you God created, the bits that are the shadow self you have put on, is the first step for all of us. I don't say this in any kind of a flippant way. This step can be terrifying. God is saying, let go, and everything inside of you is saying, hold on. You aren't sure what can of worms is going to be opened up inside you if you let God into some of those dark places. I want to challenge you today to be brave. Be brave for the people you love. They need you to be the you you were meant to be. They need you, the real you, without the shame, without the masks, without the habits, the you without the addiction, without the anger, without the self-hatred, without the numbness. We can't really love the people around us until we truly know and love ourselves. I remember when I took that first step. It was about 20 years ago, and it was right here in this gym. I was standing right over there during the, the music part of a Sunday service. We were all singing, and, and I felt God say to me, and it wasn't an audible voice, it was a knowing inside of me, that it was time to lay down my anger towards my mom and immediately a battle started inside of me. See, the devil doesn't want you to invite God in. He wants you to stay tied up in knots inside, and he wants you to keep doing damage to yourself and the people around you. He wants you hiding in shame. So there will be resistance. 
expect resistance. For me, it was pride. When God said, lay down your anger, give it to me, my pride rose up and said, I have every right to be angry, every right. But Jesus had every right to call down the fire of heaven on the people nailing him to the cross, but he didn't. He stayed there and died for me. The least I could do is lay down my pride for the one who laid down his life for me. And the beautiful thing that happens when God says, give me your ashes, give me all the pain and the sorrow and the fear, is that he gives us freedom and peace in exchange. Why on earth do we hang on to all of our crap when there's so much beauty to gain from giving it to God? So what is God asking you to lay down? Is it anger? Is it hurt? Maybe you're like me and all the hurt has turned into anger. Just lay it down. Maybe for you, it's guilt. There's something you've done and you think God can't forgive you for it. Did you know that there is nothing you could do that God won't forgive? The Bible says there is nothing in all of creation that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. So lay it down. Maybe it's misplaced guilt. Like you feel guilty for stuff that happened that you had no control over. Give that to God too. Give God your ashes and he will give you beauty back. And I'm not making that up. That's exactly what it says in Isaiah 63.1. So why are you hanging on so tightly to your pile of ashes when there's beauty waiting for you? We have to invite God into this process because he is the only one who knows who we were meant to be before it all went wrong. He created me and he created you. And attempting this journey without him will be empty and futile. God is the only one who can chip away all the bits of you that aren't you to reveal the real you underneath it all, the you you were meant to be. Pray this prayer, God, show me who I am and show me who I'm not. So the first step is to invite God into the process of chipping away all the bits of yourself that isn't you. But no man is an island, and we can't do this hard thing alone. We have to ask trusted people into this with us to help us chip away at all the false parts of ourselves. It might mean going to a trusted friend and asking them this question, what parts of me do you see that you don't think is the real me? What parts of me do you think I need to chip away at? Or it might be admitting to someone close to you that you need help. It might be a phone call to your doctor. It might be an appointment with a counselor. Something that has helped me so much as I have been grappling with the question, who am I really? Like, who is the me I was created to be? Is something called the Enneagram. How many of you have heard of the Enneagram out there? I'm pretty late to the Enneagram party, but yeah, there's a few of you. How many of you know your Enneagram number? Ooh, all the young people. Any nines out there? Fellow nines? Oh, hello, I see that hand. One. There was only one in the other service, too. We're just rare and wonderful, us nines. So the Enneagram is an ancient personality test, but it's not like other personality tests. Other tests kind of show you who you are, but the Enneagram reveals who you could be if you were the most spiritually healthy version of yourself. 
Ian Morgan Cron, author of The Road Back to You, says this about the Enneagram. The true purpose of the Enneagram is to reveal to you your shadow side and offer spiritual counsel on how to open it to the transformative light of God's grace. Growing up, we learn to cope with the emotional wounds we receive in childhood. In order to protect us from pain, we place a mask called personality over parts of our authentic self. We all put on masks. We all struggle to feel like we are okay in the world and okay to be who we are. The purpose of the Enneagram is to show us how we can release the paralyzing, arthritic grip we've kept on old self-defeating ways of living so we can open ourselves to experiencing more interior freedom and becoming our best selves. I am annoyingly excited about the Enneagram. Just ask my family. They're very sick of me talking about it. But I'm excited because it has made me feel so much friendlier towards myself. And secondly, it has helped me have so much more compassion for other people. The Enneagram has played a big role in helping me better understand which parts of me are the me I was created to be and which parts need to be chipped away. It's an amazing tool for families, for marriages, for friendships, because it helps us understand and have compassion for ourselves and for each other as we learn to become the healthiest version of ourselves. So when you get home today, don't do it now because I'm talking, take the online Enneagram test, and we're going to make it really easy for you. Text the word ME to 604-670-3040, and we'll send you a link to a free online test. You have to give them your email, but you can unsubscribe right after. It doesn't cost you any money. Um, and then on your way out today, well, actually, we sold out for service of this book. So I want you guys to purchase The Road Back to You that I just talked, read that quote from. And we had them at the bookshelf, but they sold out. So apparently someone in the 8 a.m. was paying attention, contrary to what I thought. Um, so go back, and you can pay for them now if you want. Put your name down anyways. Go to the bookshelf, and we will have a bunch for you uh, next week. So make sure that you reserve one. We'll get them to you as fast as we can. If we have to mail them to you, we'll mail them to you. We'll make it happen. So just go to the bookshelf after the service. So this book, in addition to the online test, will help you really figure out what your Enneagram number is, and it'll be a useful tool for you as you start doing the hard work of becoming yourself. So since discovering that I'm a nine, actually I'm a nine wing eight, which will make more sense to you after you read the book and take the test, I understand and like myself a lot more, and I beat myself up a lot less. One thing that characterizes a nine personality is this statement. I have so much to do, I'm going to take a nap. I've never heard anything that describes me better than these words. So recently, Mike asked our family via the Manus family group chat what Pixar character I reminded them of. So that sounded like it was going to be pretty fun, right? So I was thinking of all the cool characters that I might remind my family of, and I thought maybe it would be the brave princess. Remember her? Like, she was pretty cool, but no, it wasn't her. So I thought, surely, it must be the intense and powerful Mrs. Incredible. It wasn't her either. So maybe it was clever, clever Edna. I wouldn't mind reminding people of clever, clever Edna. No, it wasn't her. Guess who it was? That is so mean. She has short-term memory loss. Just because I forget things once in a while, Come on, sue me. So I'm going to give you some more examples of my nineness. When our six kids were littler and I was homeschooling, 
I was really struggling with organizing my life and organizing our home. Just to paint a bit of a picture of where we were at at the time, we were eating a lot of beige things. And I think all of us were on our way to getting scurvy. I can't even talk about the state of my bathrooms at that time. I was in way over my head. A desperate web search one day led me to this home organization guru named Fly Lady, who specializes in helping scatterbrains with short-term memory loss, like me, get organized. She doesn't help born organized people. They can have Marie Kondo. I have Fly Lady. But here's the thing. So she recommended that we make this binder to keep on top of all of the millions of tasks that need to be done when you're in charge of a busy household, like I was. So off I went to Staples to buy a binder, sticky notes in a rainbow of colors, colorful tabs, multicolored pens, and I got to work. I was up until 3 a.m. making this binder, and when I was done, it was a work of art. I had color-coded every zone in my house and broken down every task into doable weekly and daily bits. I was on my way to greatness. I had never felt so on top of my life is when I sat there that night at 3 a.m. holding that beautiful binder in my hands. Within the week, I had lost the binder, and I actually never found it to this day. Nines on the Enneagram are notorious procrastinators. Like, I will find a way to do a million and five things, except the one thing that I really need to be doing. For example, I had shopped for and bought this outfit for speaking today long before I'd written the talk. Oh, the stress that this procrastination has caused in my life. So much stress and so many stress-induced naps. Instead of beating myself up for being a scatterbrain and a procrastinator, somehow knowing that the tendency toward inertia, do you guys remember grade 8 science? An object at rest remains at rest unless an outside force acts upon it, that's a definition of inertia and also a great definition of me. Like, I will remain at rest unless an outside force, like a deadline or maybe a natural disaster of some kind, acts upon me. But since discovering the Enneagram, all of these characteristics of mine, stress-induced napping, inertia, short-term memory loss, they make me chuckle now. And strangely, I feel more motivated to do better. God knows me. He made me. He isn't disappointed with me, and he isn't disappointed with you either. So why are we always so disappointed with ourselves? I feel gentler towards myself, and this has made me gentler towards other people. Something else the Enneagram has shown me. My family of origin affected me way more than I thought it did. Nines on the Enneagram are called the peacemakers. So when nines like me face stress, they numb out. Inner and outer calm is our highest priority, and when nines face conflict and turmoil and chaos, our response is numbness. So growing up in a verbal war zone as a nine, my response was to numb it all out. It was what my younger self needed to do to survive, but the thing was that I continued numbing things out long after I had left home. I realize now that, like that song said, I have been less than half myself for more than half my life. This recent call of God on my life to wake up is not just from the last decade. I've been hiding from life for most of my life. 
You know how some people have crystal clear memories of their childhood? I have very foggy, cloudy scenes in my head, and that's all. Very few things are in focus. I retreated into this place of inner calm and just numbed out the chaos. I sleepwalked my way through life, and I lost out, and the world lost out. Remember that Corinne-shaped hole in the world that God uniquely created me for? Well, I missed a lot of that because I was sleepwalking. The song says, how do I forgive myself for losing so much time? It's hard to forgive ourselves for wasted time, isn't it? I know that I'm almost 50 and I can't go back, but I'm committed to staying awake to what God has for me for however many years I have left. The most spiritual thing we can do, the most God-honoring thing we can do is to become ourselves, the me we were created to be, the me we were before life happened to us, the me before the masks, before the addiction, before the anger, before the numbness set in. The song Leah sang earlier ends with the words, to love ourselves and others well is the most difficult and meaningful work we will ever do. We owe it to our creator to do the hard work of becoming ourselves. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our families. We owe it to the world. The most spiritual, God-honoring thing we will ever do is the hard work of becoming ourselves. The very first step to becoming human is to invite Jesus into your life because he is the one who created you. He has not only been my guide, but also my closest companion on this journey. And to be totally honest, I would have been too afraid to open any of the doors to my inner life without him beside me. Jesus is my most trusted friend, and he wants to be yours too. I want to take a minute right now because every week here at Southside, we have people come through the doors who don't yet know Jesus. And if what I've been saying this morning has really been touching your heart, I want to give you a chance right now to accept him into your life. Can we all bow our heads together and close our eyes just for a minute? Because I know that some of you came in this morning not knowing Jesus, but as you've been listening, you have felt like God is talking right to you. Maybe your heart has been pounding. Maybe you felt really emotional. That's God talking to you, and he's asking you to lay down all of the things you've done wrong and all of the wrongs done to you and to accept his free gift of salvation and new life that starts now and stretches into eternity. If you want Jesus to be your guide and your companion through the rest of your life, if you're here today and you want to invite Jesus into your life, just raise your hand right now. Yeah, I see them, I see them all over. I just wanna ask again, because I know there are more of you out there today that are ready to take that step. I know it takes courage, but no one's watching except for me and God. So if you are ready today to give your ashes to Jesus and accept his free gift of forgiveness and salvation and help, just put your hand up with the others right now. Okay, I see you guys. You can put your hands down now, but just keep your heads bowed for a second. I just want to talk to the rest of us, and then I'm going to pray for both groups. Some of you are here today, and you've been a Christian for a while. Maybe it's a short while. Maybe it's a long while, but you know that there is stuff inside of you that you need help dealing with. It's affecting your relationships, your ability to love yourself and the people in your life the way you want to. 
Or maybe today you've realized that you've been sleepwalking through life for way too long and you need God's help for you to wake up, roll up your sleeves and get back into the fight. If that is you this morning and you're ready today with God's help to let go of some of the things that are tying you up in knots and you're ready to do the hard work of becoming who you are meant to be, just put up your hand right now and I want to pray for you too. awesome okay you can put your hands down keep our heads bowed I'm gonna just pray pray first for the people who put up their hands to accept Jesus into their life for the first time and God there's no coincidences with you and you drew every single person here today who accepted you into their life who put up their hand you wanted them here because you want to be their savior their companion their guide and their help through life so we're going to pray a prayer of salvation now. I'm going to pray out loud. If you put up your hand to receive Jesus for the first time, pray along with me in your heart. God, I just want to give you my ashes. I've been doing life on my own for way too long, and I've made a mess of things, and I ask for your forgiveness. And I today receive what you did for me on the cross, that you died and you rose again so that I could too so I could die to my old self and live a new life that starts today and stretches into eternity I just accept you into my life as my Savior today in Jesus name amen and for the second group all those of us who've been Christians for a while but we just feel like like we just need to wake up God I just pray for everyone that raised their hand this morning for that people who maybe it's for the first time are feeling brave enough to trust you with that pain that's inside them. God, I just pray that this would be the beginning for each one of us that put up our hand, the beginning of a journey that brings us peace and freedom that we've never known before, that you would help us become exactly who you created us to be before all of the crap happened. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I know. Yeah, that's awesome. And lucky for us, God is in the business of redemption. He's in the business of restoring people to their original condition, the me we were meant to be before it all went wrong. And today is Baptism Sunday, and I think it's so right that we've been talking about this redemption today. Baptism is an outward symbol of what God is doing in our inner lives as we follow him one step at a time. We get lowered into the water, and it's a symbol of our old selves dying. And when we come up, it's a symbol of the new life that God is working inside of us. We're dying to who we are not and being raised to life to become who we were meant to be. So I wanna ask you today, if you're a Christian and you've never been baptized, why don't you just do it today? We have towels for you, we have shorts, we have t-shirts, so there's no excuses. So if you have given your life to Jesus, maybe you just did it a few minutes ago, and you've never been baptized, you need to get baptized. The Bible is clear that baptism is your next step. So just forget the excuses, you don't have to have it all together. The Bible simply says, believe and be baptized. That's all there is to it. So we're gonna hear from a few of the people getting baptized today on video. 
And once the video starts playing, all of the people signed up to be baptized can head over to the side over here. And any of you who aren't signed up but who want to get baptized today can head over there too and just say to Pastor Sarah, who'll be waiting for you, I need some clothes. I want to get baptized. So we're going to watch the video now and then I'm going to turn it over to the band and they're going to sing a couple of songs and we're going to celebrate together as all of these people get dunked and raised to life. So you can head over as soon as the video starts. Thanks for listening to me today, everyone. Hi, my name is Samuel Maddox. I came to Canada when I was four from Haiti. I basically claimed Southside my whole life and some of my earliest memories were from Southside kids. I remember in a sermon, Carolyn asked us to raise our hands and I, I did. Um, I was five, so I didn't really actually know what it meant, but I just wanted to learn more about Christianity and just to show that I wanted to like be more Christian stuff. God's a really big part of my family and their lives and because of their example, he's become a really, really big deal to me and just my life. When I go to church in the morning, I love listening to music and I love listening to my dad, even though it's like my dad, but you know, I like listening to him. I learned that God wants you to express what you feel inside. I want to follow God with my life because he knows what's best for me. I'm going into high school and I'm excited to grow up and live for God. Baptism is my next step of my life with Jesus. Hi, my name is Dana Belanger, and I've been coming to Southside for about a year and a half. Um, so growing up, I wasn't really exposed to any kind of Christianity or going to church um, until I was about 10 years old when my dad started going to church. So my dad went to church for the wrong reasons and unfortunately um, wasn't a very good person and it left a bad taste in my mouth. My dad was um, abused growing up and neglected and rejected, and so that's all he knew to raise me. Um, my parents split up when I was about seven years old, and I was raised by my mom. Um, she worked three jobs to make ends meet and to put food on the table for my sister and I. Well, growing up, because I didn't have any authority or any adult role models for me, I just chose the bad crowd to hang out with. And I was drinking and doing drugs and seeking out attention and validation from anything and anyone that would pay attention to me. I met my ex-husband when I was 22 years old. I think it was about six months later we realized that we were pregnant with our first child. And we ended up having four kids in two and a half years. And after all of our children were born, um, we got married. However, throughout the years of our marriage and our life together, the stressors of a failed business and four young kids and a stay-at-home wife and mom and a mortgage and the bills got to both of us. And we found ourselves struggling to keep our marriage together and our lives as a family together. I didn't want to come from a broken home and I didn't want my children to share that same story that I had. After I chose to end my marriage, things got really ugly. I found myself running two, sometimes three times a day 
just to get fresh air, just to escape, just to leave. One day when I was running, my body mistook the accelerated heart rate as a panic attack. And I remember collapsing. And at that, at that time, at that exact same time, I had a friend call me and I just started sobbing. And I said, I just can't do this anymore. And she said, let's pray. And we prayed and she talked me through the panic and the anxiety. And she made a suggestion to come to church. And boy, did God work through her that day because she changed my whole life. So the first face I saw at Southside was Tori's face. She was the Southside Kids Director. And she was so smiling and happy and bubbly and fun and beautiful. And I remember thinking, wow, I want what she has. And the kids loved going so much and continue to love going. And they ask for people by name who are involved in Southside Kids. And that makes me feel so much better knowing that my kids want to go. And they ask, is it church day? How many more sleeps till church day? So it was one day when I knew that it was the right step for me to take to accept God as my Savior. And Mike was doing a sermon and he asked us all to close our eyes and bow our heads. And while we were praying, just this feeling rushed over me that I knew that this was the right step for me to take. I joined a small group. Um, and I was connected with some beautiful, amazing, inspiring women who changed my life. And I also started serving on the Usher team. Um, because I was a flight attendant in my previous years, I was very comfortable saying hello and bye-bye to hundreds of people. So I was very comfortable at the door to start saying hello and be that smiling face that I had seen when I first started coming to somebody else. So I really do feel like I've discovered this secret and I'm so grateful I get to be a part of Southside and the community of such amazing people. So looking back on my life and my family and their lives um, and that cycle of sorrow that Pastor Mike often talks about, I really wanted to end that cycle of sorrow with me and my family and my children so that I could be a better mom for them and I wanted it to end with me. I definitely feel like because I have God, He's the only way that it can end. I'm getting baptized today because it's my next leap of faith and I want God to work miracles through me. Hi, my name is Vigeli Bukas, and I've been attending Southside for about two and a half years now. Ever since I can remember, I've always been a quiet kid. Didn't really want to join in any, any conversations. I kept my emotions, my opinions, and my thoughts to myself. And I kind of got lost in my way because I felt like me masking my emotions and hiding my feelings and my thoughts was something that made people happier. I remember after my soccer season in my second year in 2016, I met Emma Manis, who's now my girlfriend. She was the one that 
um, first and initially invited me to come to Southside. Um, the topics and the sermons that Pastor Mike or any other pastor at the time would speak about were honestly really mind-blowing to me because some of the topics and the sermons at the time were um, about the struggles I was having and just the thoughts I had and the questions I had. So um, I felt like I was really making a strong connection with Southside. And after attending Southside those couple of weeks, I realized that it was some place I could really rely on and a place that I truly wanted to give back to. Ever since I committed my life to God, it's just been a constant battle and struggle just to give my life to Him piece by piece. Quite often, more often than I would like, um, He's been getting me to do things that have pushed me way out of my comfort zone, but I feel like those are the moments that's really shaping me to be the person and the man I'm meant to be and the person He's um, kind of guiding me to be. As I get baptized today, I know that I'm taking that next step and I'm really growing that relationship with God. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you at any of our three Sunday services held at Sardis Secondary School on Stevenson Road in Chilliwack, British Columbia. For more information, please visit southsidelife.com.